there and welcome back to another episode of Lend Me Your Ears. Today, I got a lot of information for you. Just based on the outline here, what I'd like to talk about, this could either be a multi-part episode or just one really long one. I'll have to see how it goes, but you're in for a treat. Uh, Today's episode is based off of a question that I get asked a lot, and it's, where do you find your people? I get that question at least once or twice a week. The answer is not that simple. Well, there is a simple answer. It's the one I usually give is indeed. And I leave it at that because that's literally where I find my people. But the reason I'm being asked that question is uh, a lot of people notice that we have a lot of people, a lot of new hires. Uh, When COVID started, my company had, not including myself, six technicians and two people in the office. Since COVID has started, we have now tripled in size where we now have 20, I think last count, 24, 25 employees. All of that happened since COVID started. When it first hit, I didn't know if we were going to even have a a company. You know, I didn't know if anybody was going to call or they wanted us in their house. I didn't know what was going to happen. So we took a couple weeks off. We trained. Uh, When we went back out and did go back to work, I mean, the work was there, thankfully. Uh, People wanted us in their homes. The phone rang and we went off. The next step was handling that call volume because not only did we get the phone to ring, but it rang so much that we couldn't keep up with it. Great problem to have, but we needed people. So at that time, you know, a lot of people were laid off, uh, let go. Companies were shutting down left and right. I saw that as an opportunity. There was people out there that needed work and I was willing to train them and, uh, and put them to work, you know, help grow our business as well. So we hit indeed really hard. Um, I didn't really advertise or sponsor anything. I just put the ad out there and I, I wanted to see what would happen. Thankfully, we got a lot of applicants and here we are today, but that's the short answer. You know, where do I find my people? Indeed conversation over, but there's a lot more to it. So that's what we're going to get into today is that hiring process, that training process, not just to get warm bodies in vehicles, but turn them into something uh, that matters, right? So first thing I want to talk about is not settling, okay? I fell into this trap a lot. I talked about that last week where I needed bodies. Uh, I'd put an ad out, somebody would apply, and I didn't care what was sitting across from me or for what reason or anything. I just cared, hey, they're here, (laughs) let's put them to work. That didn't work out very well, uh, as you heard last week. Uh, Thousands of dollars in materials and uh, issues and customers later, I had to find a better way. There had to be a better way to hire somebody rather than, oh, you showed up, so get in a van. So don't settle. Just because they're in front of you doesn't mean they're a good fit for your company. You have to have a culture for them to fit. First of all, that'll be another topic for another day, but they have to fit. So the first thing I'll tell you is you have to hire for personality, right? Doesn't matter what their resume says. Doesn't matter how big and strong they are, what they say they can do or they want to do. Who they are should matter more than anything. That's how we hire at Caesar Chimney is we hire based on, do I want to sit in a van with this person for eight to 10 hours a day? Do I want to be on a roof with this person? Do I want to be in tight, uh, difficult spaces or jobs with this person? That's how we hire. That's the first thing I would tell you is hire for character. You can't train character is what I was told a long time ago. They either have it or they don't. Some people can work on theirs, make it better. But if you're not hiring for character or personality, you have a long road ahead of you. Uh, I heard a guy uh, a few years ago in a seminar talking about the difference between 
able but not willing and willing but not able. There is a massive difference there. And this seminar blew my mind when he was talking about it. I'll share it with you now. There's a lot of people out there that are able. They can do the work. They're just not willing. Those are your your cancerous employees, your lazy employees, your the anchors that just weigh you down. They're able. They can do it. They just don't want to for whatever reason. They feel entitled. They feel like they should get paid more. They feel, I don't know, it doesn't matter what they're thinking. They're just not willing for whatever reason. If you have an employee that is able but is not willing, cut them and run. As, as bad as that sounds, um, I've heard this over and over again, hire slow, fire fast. And I still have not wrapped my head around that. I, I take way too long to fire, but we'll get into that later. But hire slow, fire fast. If you have able but not willing, that is a cancer. That is a problem that will breed inside of your company. The opposite of that is willing but not able. That's somebody that I'll hire all day long. That's somebody that can, well, that that could, I guess I should say. They just don't know how yet. They're willing they're just not able yet. I can train that person. I can turn them into rock stars with the right character, with the right attitude. So that's the kind of things that we're looking for when we hire somebody. Resume's good. Experience can be good. Talked about that again last week where retraining somebody is more of a headache than, than training them from the ground up. I would much rather take somebody 100% green, has maybe worked on a roof before, hopefully has worked with power tools before, but still not prerequisites. They don't have to. But if you're willing and not able, 100% will hire you all day long. So that's the first thing, settling for, oh, you got a great resume or, oh, you work for such and such a company. That looks good on paper. We'll get into what happened with my experience later with that. The next thing is, what exactly are you hiring for? Um, This podcast is geared more towards chimney companies, really. But uh, if you're outside of the chimney industry, you'll get the idea what you're hiring for, meaning what are you what are you labeling these people as? What are you putting in your want ads? What are you calling them when they come into work? How do you how do you refer to them? Most people that I hear they're hiring for helpers. I was a helper. When I was hired, I was hired as a helper. That was my job title. That was well, we didn't have name tags or anything, but that's what I was referred to. So when I started my company, I did the same thing. I hired for helpers. Hey, would you like to come help? The issue with that is if you're hiring for a helper, that's a mindset, if you if that's how you're referring to them. If you want them to come in and help you get the job done, that's a gopher. That's a uh, that's the lowest man on the totem pole you can be. That's just a, hey, foot my ladder, hold the flashlight, carry the tools, otherwise sit there and shut up. That's a helper. I was that for a long time, and for some reason I stuck with it. Um, and I've seen that on both sides of my company. If you're hiring for a helper, that's all that they have a lid. Let's put it that way. They have uh, a cap on their abilities because if you only ever let them help you, they're never going to grow. They have to be a part of the equation. They have to be a part of the job. They have to be invested. They have to be trained. They have to have a piece in that uh, pie, if you will, for them to ever go beyond being a helper. So be careful what you call them, but be careful how you treat them. Sometimes they're one and the same. I know a lot of people that hire helpers and treat them great. I'm just kind of broad generalizations here. So we hire for technicians or assistant technicians. We have a couple different names that we call them, but we tell them from day one, if we're hiring you, you have a career path here. 
We want to take you from assistant technician and move you up to leadership, to management. There's a path, whatever way you want to go. But just know if we hire you here, you're not just a gopher, hold my flashlight, get the tools kind of guy. We're going to invest a lot of time and money into you and make you something amazing. That said at the interview, we give them that carrot, that path, whatever you want to call it. And it's on. it's up to them to then take it and run with it. Some do, some don't. But at least have that there. Let them know from day one that that's what you're what they're in for. So, the next thing is background checks. Uh, once again, feeding off of last week, that bit me pretty hard by not knowing who I was hiring or what uh, what kind of baggage I was hiring. That doesn't mean that everybody with a record is a bad person. One hundred percent, don't believe that. But you have to know, have that conversation. Don't go into it blind. Don't just assume. That's what I did is I would just hire and say, yeah, it doesn't matter what's going on. You, you can work here just because I, like I said, it doesn't matter if you have a record, it doesn't make you a bad person, but you have to have that conversation up front. Um, talk to them about their record. How long ago was it? What exactly happened? Are they uh, working on, you know, whatever, have that. It's a very personal conversation, which is why a lot of people don't want to have it. But if you're going to allow somebody into your company, I told you the story last week about the technician that stole a $3,000 watch from one of my customers' homes. I'm a little ashamed to say it because we didn't do background checks back then, but the customer asked me for a list of the people that were in his home. How am I going to say no to that? They're my employees. I have them listed on my website. You know, their names are out there. So I said, here's the names of my employees. He did a quick Google search of the employees and he brought their records back to me. Two of them in that job had records. And he said, do you know these are the people that are working for you? And what am I supposed to say to that? Like, no, I had no idea. Now I look ignorant. And if I say, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You know, now they've stolen from him. Where do I go from there? I had nowhere to go. I was in a really uh, bad spot. And he put me that. Well, I put myself there because I didn't do the background check. But having a customer look, do a quick Google search and find more out about my employees than I knew was a huge wake up call to me. So background checks, do them on every employee, have those conversations, talk about it and know that if you're going to put these people in other people's homes, we do a, a lot of work for uh, multi-million dollar homes, very nice customers, very uh, beautiful homes. If you're going to send somebody to do work in their homes, doesn't matter if it's a million dollar home or if it's you know a hundred thousand dollar home doesn't matter what it is you're putting them in somebody else's house you have to know who you're sending out there if your business is run out of your home 100 percent make sure you know who you're bringing into your home if they're wearing your shirt if they're out there driving one of your vans if they're representing your company in any way make sure you know who you're hiring don't assume i can't say that enough so that's enough about that next one is drug tests you have to do a background check, 100% have to do a drug test. We had an issue early on in Caesar Chimney's history where uh, we had an employee that uh, we kind of knew was using drugs that he shouldn't be, but once again, we let it go because we needed warm bodies. Fine, whatever he does in his personal time, that's up to him. Until one day, he got hurt at the job and we had to take him to the hospital. I freaked out. I didn't know what we're going to run into because what I've heard is the second you bring them in, they're going to do a drug test if it's work-related, and they will. 
So now we're driving to the, the hospital and this employee is, uh, it was his hand that he had hurt. He's holding on to his hand. And I'm like, listen, is there anything, if we get in there, they do a drug test, anything they're going to find out that I need to know. He's like, well, I may have smoked a little weed last night. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> of course you did. Weed stays in your system way too long anyway. But last night, I'm like, this is fantastic. Side note, if you're an employer and you know that your employees are using uh, substances that they shouldn't, once you're made aware of it, anything that happens after that is on you. You cannot play, oh, I didn't know. The second you know, you own it. So we brought them to the hospital. Of course, they did drug tests, and I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't, I was around the same time as I had employees stealing from me and from customers. So I'm like, I can't deal with this. Cut them loose. We'll come back to that employee later, but have a zero tolerance policy. I mean, just like I said, last uh, point about the background checks, you have these people, not just in people's homes, but on them, they're climbing ladders, they're walking on roofs, they're on scaffolding, boom lifts, dealing with power tools. They got, you know, saws and, and grinders inches from their face. I mean, if you have anybody that is not 100% sober and focused on this dangerous work that we're doing, they can't do the work, period. I don't care what your thoughts are outside of being a business owner. If once again, they're wearing your shirt, they're driving your vans, they're in your home, they're in customers' homes, they're relating or they're portraying your business in any way, make sure they're portraying it the way you want your business to be. Don't settle just because they need the job or just because you need the help, right? Do a drug test, do a background check. Once you put all of this time and effort and money that we're going to talk about here today into them, make sure there's somebody that's going to be there for a long time and they're going to promote you the right way. You're going to get what you allow. Remember that. There's a lot more to go into about company culture. I, I can't fit it all into this episode, so that'll be an episode that's coming later, but your company culture is your company. I tell people a lot. I was just talking to Tommy Nelms about this a couple weeks ago. I'm not in the chimney business. I am not, it doesn't matter how many caps we put on or how many liners we put in or how many fireplaces we sweep. None of that matters. I am in the people business. I am nothing without the people wearing my shirt, doing the work, driving my vans, answering my phones that I don't have a company if it's not for them. If I fill my company full of whoever shows up, I don't have a company. And I almost didn't back in 2017, 2018. So know that your company culture is what's going to define you and define how long you have a company. So background checks, drug tests, don't settle. Now we're going to get into the actual hiring process. You put an ad out, somebody applies, you schedule that interview. To be honest, they might not show up. That's a, a giant red flag right out the gate. And uh, I talk to a lot of people, see a lot of these comments online Oh, so-and-so didn't show up, or I had three no-shows today, or you know, I, I waited around, they didn't show up. Let me tell you right now, if they don't show up, that is a good thing, okay? You'll never hear me complain that somebody didn't show up for an appointment. If you're not, if I schedule you for 8 o'clock in the morning and 8.01 shows around, you're done. Well, I'm already moved on. I'm off figuring out something or working on something else, because first of all, you're late. If you're late to an interview, you're absolutely done. If you just don't show up to it, I didn't need you anyway. So don't focus on the no-shows. There's so much energy and so much anger and emotion that goes into, oh, they didn't show up. Fine. That's a good thing. Move on. Move on to the, the person that does show up. 
the the show rate for us, I think, is probably around 50%. You know, one out of two will actually show up for an interview. So we don't set just one appointment or one interview. We set three or four. And maybe half don't show up, but the ones that do show up, we're going to put a lot of time and effort into. So don't just put out the ad and just take the first person that hires or that shows up. Put out three or four different interviews. Set them all at the same time. See who shows up. Make them sit in a waiting room together, you know, kind of thing. But don't settle for the first guy that shows up and don't uh, freak out if he doesn't show up at all. So we put out an ad. We set up an interview time. Interview time shows up. The applicant is on time. Here we go. It's show time, right? Doesn't matter if the first two didn't show up. I'm not going to hold anything else against them. Doesn't matter what your mood is that day. This is the first time this employee has seen your company. This is their their first impression. Don't ruin it. Too many times I've set up an interview for somebody and just been in a mood or had some kind of issue going on and just phoned in the interview and probably lost out on some uh, applicants that could have done really well at my company, but it was my fault. So they're here, they're in front of you. What do you do then, right? I think I mentioned this last week. I'm a terrible interviewer. If you sit down across from me for an interview to this day, I'm just going to have a conversation with you. I don't like grilling people. I don't like reading resumes. I'll scan over it, pretend like I read it. I didn't actually read it. I'll be honest with you. I'll see. I'll probably want to read your name. I have to look back again to check what your name is because I just, I'm not good at, at interviews. And I know that when I hired, it was terrible. So what I'm teaching you today, I've learned through somebody else hiring. Max, who works for me, uh, is one of my managers, and he is now in charge of hiring because when he was in a van with Rick, one of our other managers, I would keep hiring people, put them in a van with them, and they'd come back after a day or two like, what are you doing? Why are you putting these people in a van with us? They, Their attitude, they're this, they're that. I just, they had all these complaints, and I'm going, well, I mean, they, they, they had a good conversation, so <laughs> yeah, here we are. So they complained enough that back at that time, I just kind of went, fine, you do it. That was kind of attitude I had was, you know what? If, if I'm not doing a good job, let's see how much better you can do, right? Best decision I ever made. I didn't make it for the right reasons. I made it out of an ego decision. Best decision I could have made because they are the one. If you're not in a van, if you're not dealing with them, and then again, even if you are, if you're the boss, it doesn't matter. They're biased when they're with you. You need the opinion of whoever else they're working with. And that's what I was getting. I was getting bad reports back of, you know, we can't work with these people that you're giving us. When they were in charge of hiring, everything changed. That was the the tipping point for Caesar Chimney Service. People would come in and they'd actually interview them. They'd talk to them. They'd find out, uh, you know, what kind of worker they were, what kind of job experience they have, their attitude. They would actually look at them as, uh, you know, applying for a position, not just filling a seat. So... That was the first thing. If you're not good at hiring, find somebody else to do it that actually is invested in who's going to be working with you and put them in charge of it. Even if it's another technician, it doesn't have to be a manager. If it's somebody else, have them go through them first so they can feel them out and say, you know what? I'm not getting a good vibe. I don't think I can work with this guy. That's 100% a good reason not to hire somebody. And we do that today for that reason. If you are listening to this and you're a, a single operator, you're hiring your first or your second or your third employee. This conversation shifts a little bit. When I was in that position, that's when I made all of my mistakes, all these issues I'm talking about with drugs and background checks and, and employees and all of that. That's back when I was a much smaller company. And I did feel like I had to hire the first guy that came in the door. 
because I needed them that day. And I got story after story about all of those. But the end result is you're not hiring for a helper or a technician. You're hiring at that level, at that size. If you're looking to grow, or even if you're looking to sustain your size, you're looking for you. You're looking for somebody you can turn into you because when you're that size, that's who they need to be. Looking back, that's what happened by the grace of God. I got people that could be me. I wasn't trying to. Well, I tried the wrong way by hiring experienced people and that was a dismal failure. But once I started focusing on the employees that worked for me that were working from the bottom up and I put every ounce of training and knowledge and expertise I had into them, magically, these technicians turned into leaders. They turned into mini-me's, which is what you're trying to do. You're trying to clone yourself. I was just talking to somebody last week about uh, hiring. They wanted to hire same thing, experience. I need experienced mason. I need an experienced or a certified sweep. I need somebody that knows what they're doing. What I hear when I hear that is me three, four years ago. I need somebody that I can put in a van tomorrow and they can make me money. They can go out and and run without supervision. That is such a dangerous thing to look for because you don't know what you're getting. You don't know their habits, their techniques, the way they work, how they talk to customers, how they, you don't know any of that. For me, if you're going to work in my company, I need you to act and talk and walk and speak and do the way that I would treat my customers the way that I would. It's not about the money. It's not about the numbers. It's about how are you going to treat the customers and the people that I put with you. Hiring experience Well, right now, in this day, this time right now, with COVID, unemployment, if somebody right now is in the trades and they're out of work or looking for work, I don't, I don't think you want that person working for you, honestly. Everybody that I know right now in the trades is straight out. They have more work than they can handle. They're hiring left and right. If you were to find somebody experienced in the trades, any trade right now, out of work, there's a red flag there. I would do a lot more digging, find out why, what's going on. Why are they out of work in this kind of a market before I'd hire them? So right now, I wouldn't. Not just that, but let's say you find somebody that for some reason is out of work in this time and they have a good reason for it. The money they were probably making, you're going to either have to match or beat to get them to come work for you. You're going to pay through the nose for experience right now. So neither one of those... uh, works for me. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't want to hire uh, somebody else's cast off, somebody with baggage, somebody that has to be retrained and, and fixed, or somebody that I'm going to have to pay an exorbitant amount for just to come in and start doing work their way. Cause then you still have to retrain them whether they're good or bad. So when you're a smaller company, focus on character, focus on somebody that is trainable, malleable, that will listen, that you can turn into a mini version of you so that as your company does grow, it will grow the way it would be as if you were in every single van. That's what you're looking for. Thankfully, I have that. Max and Rick have been with me for a very long time. Both of them are amazing leaders. They're amazing workers and they're amazing managers. That's what I needed. But at one time, They were just technicians. They were sitting next to me watching me sweep and work and kill myself and and do the actual job. But they latched on. They turned into a mini version of me. But on that point, let's talk about ego, right? In order for me to turn somebody into me, I have to be okay with them being as good as or hopefully better than me, which is another problem that I've seen 
in myself, in other companies, is that fear of I can't turn this person into me. I can't train them into everything I can do because if I do, one, they're going to be better than me. That's a pride problem. Or two, there's the fear of they're going to leave. They're going to go start their own company or they're going to whatever. If it's a pride issue, I can tell you this, get over it. If you want to grow, if you want to have any kind of success where you don't have to worry about being in the van for the company to make money, you have to make your employees as good as or better than you. You just have to. There's no way around it. I don't want somebody out there that's not as good as me wearing my shirt, doing work in my name, if they're not going to do it the way that I'm going to do it. You have to be okay with them at least being as good as you. My personal goal, I want all my employees to be better than me in everything. Almost, well, I'd say half the employees in my company right now do some part of the job better than me, and I love it. I love watching them grow and turn into a version of me that I just never could do. I'm a big guy. I can't fit in many fireplace smoke chambers. I did my best when I had to, but now I have people in my company that do a much better job of parging and connecting liners, and they do work that blows my mind, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of them. So that that ego trip of I can't make them better than me because then I won't be as, you know, the guy get over that. That's just, that's the as point blank as I can be. The other side of it, the fear side of what if I put all this training into them and they leave or they screw me over or they don't work out. There's a quote that I heard a long time ago and it was, what if I train them and they leave? But what if you don't train them and they stay? That's the fear you should have. Don't put somebody in a vehicle with you and and train them into your company, but hold back because of your fear of them leaving or hurting you. It happens. It's happened three, what, four times to me now. Who cares? Every time somebody's left my company, the company has grown from it. It's that addition, addition through subtraction, right? Don't have that fear of what if they leave. Have that fear of what if I don't train them and they stay. That is terrifying to me, which is why we put as much time and effort into these employees as we can. So enough of that uh, rabbit hole. Let's get back to what we're actually talking about. The interview. They're here. They showed up. They're on time. They're in front of you, right? What do you do then? What we do is we actually have a slideshow that we put together because I got really sick of kind of going over the same things and talking to people and trying to... uh, you know, use words to describe it to them. So I said, let's put together a PowerPoint. Somebody comes in for an interview. The first thing they see is a PowerPoint about our company and our industry. And we make a joke out of it, kind of lead into it uh, in a funny way, because most employees, when they hear chimney sweep, or I'm sorry, most applicants or anybody, they think Mary Poppins. They think Bert. That's most people's idea of a chimney sweep. So we start with that. Here's what most people think we are. And we put up a picture of Bert from Mary Poppins and he's dancing. He's having a good time. And I'm like, that's not actually what we are. And the next slide I show is a picture of one of our employees dressed like we would today. No top hat and tails and singing and dancing, but a climbing helmet and a harness and a respirator and glasses and hearing protection and gloves and not a a push broom, but a drill attached to a brush and a camera and I show what we actually look like today and just let that sink in for a minute because like I said most people don't even know what they're getting into if they do they think it's some antiquated version of what we do when I show them what we look like today they go wow 
And then you'll get questions. Why do you do? Why do you look like that? Why not this? Why not that? What is that? Start the conversation. After that, we show every part of our company that I can, the good and the bad. Good, meaning I show a lot of pictures of our company culture, some of our parties, some of our after work activities, some of the get togethers that we do, some jokes, you know, throw some fun, some lightheartedness in there to build that culture. The bad is show them the crap they're going to have to deal with. I would say the majority of our slideshow is unfortunately working from a really tall ladder or working from a sketchy roof or uh, being inside of a fireplace or underneath a fireplace or inside of a chimney chase or up on a boom lift or working in the rain or working in the snow, working in a hundred degree heat. Like all of these pictures are in there as I'm describing the job. I'm talking about liners. I'm talking about caps. I'm talking about rebuilds. It's not just, yeah, we rebuild chimneys. Let's dig into that a little deeper. Let's show pictures of all the bricks laid out, how each, uh, all the bricks have to be taken up on the roof 10 at a time. And that's going to be your job and mixing mortar and laying brick and the scaffolding that we use and the equipment that we use and the training that we go through. It blows their mind, but it gets them ready for it. You'll hear a lot of people talk about those horror stories. That guy that shows up and he's, he's ready to go and he sounds, he talks a good game in his interview. He works for a day or two or a week maybe and then just no shows. He just quits. He disappears off the face of the earth. And they're like, what happened? And then you get all these, oh, these kids don't want to work kind of attitude. He wasn't ready. That employee had no idea what he was getting into. He thought he was signing up to sing and dance on somebody's roof in a top hat, right? You put him out in a van and all of a sudden he's lugging bricks up a ladder or he's stuck in a fireplace and sweating in July or he's having to work in a, you know, if they don't know what they're getting into, yeah, you're going to get people that are going to quit. They're going to walk out because this isn't what I signed up for. So our, in, our slideshow shows them exactly what they're going to sign up for. Case in point, had a guy show up for an interview with me back when I still did them and he sits down across from me and he's got the polo shirt and he's very, yes, sir. And he's very polite. I said, okay. And I ask him a couple, you know, starting, uh, starting questions. You ever been on a roof? Are you comfortable with heights? And he's like, oh, yes, sir. Absolutely. I worked for my, uh, my father's roofing company or I worked with my, or something like that. But he's like, yeah, I've been on roofs and I've done ladders before. Not a problem. I'm like, great. Go through the entire PowerPoint, get to the very end of it, turn it off. Lights come on. I turn around, I look at him and he's just deer in the headlights. And I'm like, what do you think? <laughs> and word for word, he goes, sir. I think I just realized I am scared of heights. <laughs> I said, okay, that's 100% fair. Thank you for coming in. That's what I want. I don't want to waste my time further or waste his time showing up in interviews and in processing all this stuff just to get him out there and have him climb a ladder and just be scared to death. I don't want that. So in the slideshow, show them everything. Show me everything that they're going to be doing, could be doing. But then I also, like I said, we show the good. We show the fun that we have, the camaraderie, the parties, the training, the travel, uh, anything that shows a good side that makes them see it's worth it. Then talk about incentives. You got to have some kind of carrot for them to attain. Like I said, way back at the beginning, they're not hired just to, to foot your ladder or to hold your flash out or get your tools. If they know, and we tell them this in the interview, we're going to put a lot of training into you. There's a lot of reviews. There's a lot of incentive. There's a lot of uh, self-propelled raises. All depends on how hard you work, what you do. There's certifications you can get. They come at their own raises. There's leadership. There's management. There's so many things that you can do, but it's all up to you. We'll put the training in if you put the effort in and we'll make a great fit. They have to know that at the very outset.
And what we've got since we've trained, or I'm sorry, hired this way is rock stars. From day one, they're excited. This isn't a, a dead end job or a, oh, this sucks. I have to get up and go help him do this job today. They come in ready incentivized they have motivation they have drive because they have something to attain and i've given them a path they know it's coming they know what they're in for they know that if they do well then they get blank raises incentives all these different things training leadership all of it so i knew i would what are we at right now oh we're already over 30 minutes and i've even gotten into uh hiring yet so rather than just keep going on and on i'm going to make this a a, a multi-part uh topic. Uh, we'll let you go for this one. Next week, we're going to talk about training them because that's a huge deal, right? You've gone through all of this work of t- uh, background chest and drug tests and the interviews, and you went through two or three no-shows. You finally got this guy or gal that shows up and they actually want to work for you. Now, what do you do? When I started, it was, all right, good. You're hired. Here's your shirt. Here's your flashlight. Get in the van and do what I do. That's how I was trained. And that's how I trained a lot of the employees that came through Caesar Chimney Service. Next week, we're going to talk about why that is a terrible business model and will not get you where you want to go. And I'll show you what we've done to uh, to correct it. So thank you very much for listening. I appreciate you lending me your ears. And check back next week where we're going to talk all about training. Have a great week.